0: what's happening welcome to the influential communicator the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling speaking and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win i'm your host ravi rajani so without further wait let's get into it when i think of an influential communicator i think of michael sapersky so check this from growing up in a communal kibbutz in Israel and moving to Canada at the tender age of six, excelling in sports as a teen and deciding to begin his entrepreneurial journey after having an epiphany whilst travelling with his cousin Sam through Vietnam at the age of 17. Fast forward to today, life of Michael is, well, let's just say that a little bit different. Michael is now the CEO and co-founder of Consulting Success, where he helps entrepreneurial consultants build strategic and highly profitable consulting businesses. And today, people, I pinned him down because I know personally how good he is at this specific thing. And that thing is, is leveraging customer success stories for sales success. Welcome to the show, dude. What's happening?
1: Hey, Ravi. Great to be with you and uh, love the intro. Appreciate it. Was
0: it accurate or did I miss out a few things? I definitely missed no, out
1: a few. You definitely missed out yeah, on a few things, but that's because we were talking about uh, a long period of time, but, but you hit on a bunch that probably many people still don't know about. So I loved your intro. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. And there's something that you've done, which I think a lot of
0: entrepreneurs really want to do, but they never make the time to do so. And that's travel, man. You've lived in different countries and really embedded yourself into different cultures, which leads me to ask you the first question, which is, you know, you lived in Japan when you first started one of your first um, consulting businesses. And my question is, is how has that experience of immersing yourself in a different culture, shifted the way that you tell your story and sell your
1: solution today? Yeah, it's a great question. And for me, I, you know, I go back to, so I was born in, in Canada. Then my parents moved to Israel at a young age. I grew up in just a very you know, a different environment. So for me, different cultures, different languages, different religions, just that whole international vibe, it's almost just normal to me. I feel more like a international citizen than I do a Canadian citizen. And so if in terms of how I tell my story different, I don't think about it necessarily as being different, although I used to feel very different. You know, I, I felt like an outsider coming back to Canada when I didn't speak English and I didn't know anybody. But how do I tell my story? I mean, for me, it's something that I've really tried to do more intentionally over the last several years. Early on, I didn't want to tell my story because, you know, you mentioned Japan. Well, when I was in Japan... I was in my 20s and I was the youngest person at the boardroom table. I was the only foreigner at the boardroom table. My Japanese was not fluent at that time. So I felt like I had a lot of disadvantages, but the way for me to try and lean into or create an advantage, mine at that point, it was to kind of give that professional image, not to share my vulnerabilities, not to talk about the background story. And what I learned over the years after that is that that was actually a big mistake, that the more that I can lean into my vulnerabilities, the more that I can just share my experiences, the stronger communication or the stronger kind of communicator I become, because that message then tends to resonate with people. Whereas if you just try and put out kind of a bland professional image, you don't make mistakes, you're similar to everybody else, that doesn't connect with people, right? And so that's probably been the biggest shift in how I think about communication. It's just really be, be honest, be who I am, tell my story. And whether that is about my my children or a tough situation that I've been through or some kind of crazy travel experience. That's what gets people excited. That's what people tend to kind of latch onto because it's different and it's a real story. What
0: was, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the word vulnerability and you realized how important it is to share your story. Was there a specific moment? Was there an epiphany, an aha moment, which changed that shift
1: or created that shift? We worked with a coach several years back who connected us to... Uh, a lady in in Ireland named Megan, and her whole kind of business, I don't know what she does right now, but back, this is probably going back, you know, four or five years ago or something like that, was kind of telling these stories, like in documentary style videos and and things of that nature. And we watched one that she did about her business and, and just like, it resonated instantly. I was like, wow, like this is a business video, but it's telling you such a powerful story about who she is. And it, it was about her grandparents and or her grandfather and all. And so anyways, we ended up working with her and a few other people to create this little mini documentary, which I think is kind of where you got some of your background, right? If you go to consulting success website, it's, it's there, but that was probably like the big boom, like aha moment. But leading up to that, we started to, or speaking for myself, really started to see through conversations that I had with other entrepreneurs, business owners, successful consulting business owners through the consulting success podcast that more and more I started like seeing this theme that people were talking about oh you know I had a drug addiction or you know I was really depressed or I went through cancer or whatever it was and prior to that I was like why would somebody talk about those things that are so personal in business like business is business but what I really realized through all these conversations because I asked people very directly you know how did that impact your business like when you were just so open and so vulnerable And every single person said it was a net positive. It was actually, it benefited the business or the benefited because of it. And I said, well, how tell me about that? And they said, well, people connected with me, you know, people reached out. And then, so I started to apply those same lessons in our business. And I remember, you know, sending out an email, actually, there's two emails that I remember that, that really got probably the biggest response that we had had to that kind of point in time. The first was when my uh, stepfather got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I sent out an email just with the sharing my experience of what I had seen and how it impacted my mother, especially, and just how it started to kind of make me see life differently and think about things in a different way. The response to that email was tremendous. The other email that I sent out was, you know, when we had our first daughter and just kind of what I was thinking at that time. And so these are very personal things. They have absolutely nothing to do with business, but they actually have everything to do with business because business is about relationships. Business is about Communication and connection. And I think that's what I was missing out in my earlier years of building businesses. And even though they were successful and we accomplished a lot, I certainly was not leading with telling my story or our story or you know creating any kind of substance around that. And that's been probably the biggest change and biggest shift that now we do. And we've done this now over the last many years, but being very conscious about how can we tell our story more. You know, one of the things I would
0: love to acknowledge you for, man, is you're amazing at being able to take a picture of something seemingly uninteresting in your day and then literally tie it back to something business related. Like if you look at Michael's Instagram, LinkedIn, you'll see that he can take a picture of him in the gym or him just, you know, out in the sun or on holiday and he can tie it back to adding business value to his audience which is actually really difficult for a lot of people to do. Would you say so Michael? Do you think a lot of people struggle with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I still struggle with it. It's not something that I uh, I would consider myself to be an expert at or or just even great at. It's just something that I've I've worked on over the years. I think it's that when you start to accept that your mundane even what you might feel a boring day that even during those moments, there's a lesson inside of that. Like every moment of our typical days, there's something in there that is special if we look for it. You know, it's like when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you start seeing the same car everywhere. But before you bought that car, you didn't see it very often. It's like, you know, you're consciously thinking about it. You're spending more time, you know, looking for it. It's, It's the same thing with creating content or extracting these kind of experiences or stories that you're referring to is that when you open your mind to, actually thinking about what am I learning today? What did I accomplish today? What did I fear today? Where did I, you know, where did I start feeling negative? Or you just become really conscious about how you think about things and, and what experiences you have. I've found that's really uh, powerful, not only for creating content, but also for kind of managing your, your mindset and your expectations around business. Because in business, every, every single one of us has ups and downs. We all have challenges whether you are a sales leader or you are the CEO of your company, or it doesn't matter what, what stage you're at in the business or what kind of role or level you're at, we all have these ups and downs. And what I found is what separates those who struggle from those who are successful is how you process that. And so just being conscious to understand, like, we all have these ups and downs. When I feel like something a little bit negative or inside something's changed, like the chemistry of my body or my mind has changed, I ask myself now, like, why is that? What just happened? You know, two seconds ago or 30 seconds ago that caused me to feel the way that I'm feeling right now. There's something in there. And when you learn how to manage that and just go, oh, okay, you can learn how to process those things. So I know I'm kind of probably taking us further away from the story that you might be kind of asking about, Ravi, but that for me has been a big shift, you know, that I several years ago kind of like hit on like, wow, if I can actually kind of track myself and ask what's caused me to feel really great right now or causing me to feel not so great right now, learn from that then the next time that challenge comes up, I go like, oh, boom. Yeah, I know how to handle that. No problem. And then just keep moving forward.
0: No, I, I'm with you because I, you know, there's 24 hours in a day and there's teachable moments at specific moments in the day, which could be valuable for your audience to learn from. So I love it. So let's go from personal stories to customer success stories, which is why you're here today, my friend. So let me ask you this. How do you personally define
1: a customer success story? So the first thing is we don't use the word customer, just to to put that out there. There's a distinction between customer and and client in in my mind. And if you look at the dictionary, there's probably even a distinction between those two in the the dictionary. A customer to me is somebody who might purchase a product from you, or it's more transactional. Whereas a client is somebody that you almost have like a fiduciary duty, a responsibility to ensure that they're going to, to, to be successful. Uh, so we we internally use the word client success stories or, or client case studies. And really what that means to, to us is capturing the success that someone has. And so if we say a client success story, it's what was success for them? And there's no one way to look at success. So that might be someone that, like as an example, one client who Left the corporate world to become a consultant because she wanted to spend more time with her family. So for her, it wasn't just about growing income significantly. It was going from traveling all around the world and you know and not really seeing her kids to now having a four-day work week and making just as much as she was making before, but she has a lot more time to be with her kids. So that's a success story that we want to document. Another one would be a consultant who went through a process and was able to to add a million dollars in revenue within about eighteen months. So we want to document. So to us right? We kind of define like our purpose is to help entrepreneurial consultants create success on their own terms. That's the definition of what that success is will be different for each person, depending on where they are and what stage they're at in their business, whether they're a solo consultant getting started, or they're a decade in, or they have a team or whatever it is. But that's what we kind of think about in terms of a client success story or client success, you know, kind of case study. That's kind of how we refer to it. Mm, I like that distinction between a client success
0: story and a customer success story. I haven't thought about it like that. So that's, that's super interesting. And you mentioned the word case study there. Now, I get this question a lot. And for me personally, there is a difference between a case study and a client or customer success story. For you, is there a difference? And if so, what are the key differences?
1: yeah, that's a great question. so th- there likely are, and, and you could probably educate myself and others, Ravi about, what you see the differences uh, being. typically for me, like my mind defaults to a case study in the old sense tends to be a bit more technical, right? It has a bit more of a rigid structure to it, uh, whereas a story is is a story, right? It has more background information about the per about the person, what they are going through, what they were thinking. There's more narrative to it. The way that we Kind of create them, and the way we have them on, on our website is probably a blend between the two. Like if you look at all the different case studies that we have, they are written not in like a you know here's the background, here's the problem, here's the result, right? It's not like that. It's more an actual story, uh, but it's it's not maybe infused with as much narrative background uh, and story as it could have. So we kind of blend the
0: two together. I think something that you've done, which is really, really interesting. And you said it a little bit earlier was you've really been able through your customer success or rather client success stories is you've been able to pull out what success looks like for that person versus a lot of the time, what you'll hear is people say, oh, this person made a million dollars or this person made 2 million and this person increases for you. You mentioned something interesting about somebody moving to a four hour work week and somebody else having that seven figure business. And you showcasing what success felt like for them, which really appeals to different people in different ways, which I think is really cool, man. I think that's really cool. So one of the ways that you've been able to use customer success stories is everywhere, right? LinkedIn, in your content, in advertising, on your website, and all that good stuff. You know, I'd love to learn from you here. Tell us what you would say are the three key ingredients for a revenue-winning client success story. Yeah. So
1: first you mentioned the, the the client that we worked with went to a four hour work. Week. So it's not Tim Ferriss thing. It was a four day work. Week that ah, sorry, do. sorry. <laughs> close, close. Yeah. And then, you know, so I think the, the big thing we look at these client success stories or, or case studies really as part of the pre-sales process. I think very often people view these as like an after the fact we had success now, you know, with, with a client let's now kind of put it up there just to, to demonstrate how, how good we are. We think about how can we use these in a way to, again, meet people where they are. And this is why going back to what you just hit on, which is that each of these success stories or case studies, it's not just about a revenue number. It's not just about X number of leads or a, additional amount of revenue because the success story is not about a company or just about the revenue, it's about the person. And so by putting the spotlight on the client, on the person, and what they've been experiencing, you know, where they were before and c- in comparison to where they are today, that's going to resonate with a much broader audience because there's a lot more there. There's a, a background or, or a story kind of, you know, uh, beyond the surface level. So what, what we do when we think about it is, number one, we want to make sure that we're being very clear, telling the story of the person or, you know, putting a spotlight on them. So that might be having a photo of the person talking about where they're located or what their industry is. We then want to also make sure that we really hit on the emotional and kind of you know, demonstrating empathy that we understand where they were before. And so if you're looking at creating client success stories, it's incredibly important that you don't just talk about the success, but you want to talk about really what were they going through? What were the challenges that they were facing? And the more that you can get into that, and I don't mean just like, yeah, we had, a, you know, we had trouble with our lead flow or we couldn't win proposals or, you know, we were looking to, to, to build our team. That's not going to resonate with anybody. Maybe it does, but at a very surface level, you want to get into the feelings that they had, which would be staying up all night long, you know, just really wondering if building out a team was the right model for us to go down or thinking about how to increase fees and, you know, doubting that we could increase fees without losing a lot of clients, uh, but at the same time, feeling like we're leaving a lot of money on the table. So kind of getting to those deeper thoughts and questions that people are likely having and and hitting on those. So that's another, I would say, is the second really important part of this process. So, right, so the first part is you want to focus on the person. Second part is you want to get into the problems in a very detailed, specific manner, not high level, right? Go, go beyond the surface, peel back the layers of the onion to really get at the, the heart of what's going to drive somebody to take action? cuz there's a reason that buyers typically don't move forward and if you're using your your case studies or your success stories as a tool or as a a mechanism to help people overcome the hesitation that they have, you want to speak to what are those points of hesitation? You want to demonstrate to them that you understand where they're currently at, what they're likely thinking right now and what might be holding them back from taking that next step. If you can do that, you're going to give them a lot more confidence cuz they're going to think to themselves, "Wow, this person understands exactly where I am or where my company is right now. That's exactly what I'm thinking about right now. This is the reason I've told myself I might not move forward or I might delay it another you know several weeks, months, years, whatever. It's like just put it off. And if you can show them that somebody else is that exact same place, you're gonna give them a lot more confidence to take that action now as opposed to to waiting. So that'd be a second thing. And then the third, which I think is gonna be no surprise to anyone, is results. Right? I mean, that's so somebody had a problem when they overcame that problem. What did the result look like? And I don't mean to gloss over the bridge between those two, which is what do you do? What do you actually do to go from where you are to where you want to be? So telling that story and not just saying, yeah, we, you know, we put a lead generation process in place or you know, we just worked on our messaging. If you can go a little bit deeper than that and really explain and, and tell the story of what did you do to overcome that challenge, mm-hmm. then you highlight the result. You really speak to how did their life change? How did their confidence change? How did their business change? So I think that the big theme, Ravi, that we try and hit on as much as we can is that it's not just about the hard you know, result. It's about the person. But those two things need to go together. Like, so you, you have to have the, the human side of it and you have to have the business kind of quote unquote transactional side. Of it. But those two things, when they're coupled together, create a really powerful kind of platform to build on and, and tell that story around.
0: Hmm. Okay. So these three things, ladies and gents, as you've just heard from Michael, are very, very focused, clean and clear. So the first thing is really building that story arc around the human being as well as the business. And number two is focusing on a relatable challenge to evoke emotion in your ideal client. And then focusing on tangible results, right? And I think one thing that's interesting is there's a difference between, hey, this person got healthier versus this person lost 20 pounds in 20 weeks without giving up chocolate or wine. Now, could you talk to the audience a little bit about why you believe specificity is important? Because I know it's something you're big on. So I'm I'm kind of feeding you here. I'd love to know why and how you think it's critical.
1: No, the first part is that Today, more than ever before, we live in a society and an environment where we have more noise, more options. There's, you know, ads and everything else coming at us nonstop. So, if you want your message to cut through that noise, if you want to be actually be able to get somebody's attention, you can't speak in general terms anymore. If you do, you're the same as everybody else. This is why most people's websites look like everybody else's websites. You know, I joke often about like the typical consulting website. You can take that website and put it against a hundred others and very little will be different other than the logo and a few things like everybody's, you know, we are the blah, blah, blah. It's the same, the same message. So if you really want to be able to stand out, uh, and, and cut through all that noise, you need to be specific. If you think about, if you look at a page or you see a video or a poster or whatever it might be. And in that, if there's text and then you have some numbers, you have some percentages, What's typically going to get your attention the most? It's going to be the numbers, the percentages, right? The dollar signs, the yen signs, the pound signs, whatever. These are things that stand out. And so it's the same when you're telling your story or your message. If you go just very broad, very high level, the first thing is that it's not going to get anybody's attention because it's just going to be too, too high level. The second thing is it's not believable, right? We're in an environment right now where people always have their guard up and they have their guard up because there's a lot of people online who make false promises who you know say all kinds of things to try and have you believe that somehow you can create overnight success and this you know you click a button and instantly you're a multimillionaire and most of us know that that doesn't exist but still we have our guard up because we know that there's a lot of things online that are that are not true and so in order to defend ourselves and protect ourselves right we we have our guard up and so to, to get people to remove their guard, to lower their guard, to become more open and willing to actually engage and listen to what you have to say, you need to be specific because then your message becomes believable. And, you know, we often talk and Ravi, you know, this because, you, you know, you've gone through this process, but if you say, you know, I help businesses to grow their revenue. Well, great. Right. Or even worse, I'm a marketing consultant. Fantastic. Right. Like everybody is. But if you say we work with chief marketing officers at, in aerospace companies, there's night and day difference between who that's gonna resonate with. The first message won't resonate with anybody because it's too broad and too general. But the second one, if I'm the CMO of, a, of an aerospace company, let's say revenue growth or marketing is top of mind for me, which it likely is, you're gonna have my attention. And of course that message is, still needs to be evolved and, and made much more powerful, but that specificity is really the distinction. It's It's what divides poor messaging from powerful messaging. And it's the same when you start to apply it to your client success stories or case studies is if they're too high level, too general, it's like getting a testimonial from somebody and they say, yeah, you know, Ravi's a really awesome guy. He's so fun to work with. We really like him and highly recommend him. Okay, that's fine. Or compare that to, we worked with Ravi for 12 weeks. He helped us to take our bland messaging and turn it into a compelling message and story that the first time we used it in one of our webinars, we instantly, you know, we generated 30 leads and that created 50,000 pounds of new business for us. Working with him has really helped us to tell our stories more effectively and we highly recommend them. Which of those two is going to be more effective? Of course, the latter, right? The second one, because it's more specific. That's my kind of long drawn out. You can tell I'm passionate about this kind of stuff, but I, it's just, I've seen it over decades now of, that's it works significantly better than than being general.
0: You know whether you're a B two B salesperson, whether you're a founder, service-based entrepreneur, that whoever you are listening to this right now. That is super, super powerful because, hey, people want to know the specifics. Like Michael said, in a world where there is so many different options, how do you stand out? Well, yeah, being able to generate world-class results. I like it, man. I like it. So, okay, somebody's got a testimonial or and they've now transformed it into a client success story. Now, at what point during the sales process is presenting a client success story, the most powerful, the most
1: potent? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so at multiple points, that's, that's the key thing. It's, it's not just in one place, but mm. as early on in the process as possible. So typically it's not going to be the first thing that somebody sees when they come into your world because they're not yet thinking about buying because they don't know who you are. So if we think about you know, the, kind of the stages or process, what's going to happen in most cases, the first thing is going to be some kind of content that's value- added, right? Where somebody is going to uh, access that in whatever format it's in. And they go like, wow, this person or this company, this brand is, is showing me things. They're opening up my mind. I'm learning new stuff. This is very valuable. They start thinking, well, well, I'm getting all this for free. Imagine if I'm actually engaged and worked with them, right? So that's probably the first thing that happened. But very soon after that, you may start to introduce them to client success stories. And that might be through retargeting ads you know, online. So they see them on different platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google, like wherever it is that your I/O clients are, at that point, you might still have additional content and things that are going to them, emails and so forth, depending on what they're signing up for, right? We can go deeper into that if you want. But I do believe, and we've seen that pretty early on in the process, it's powerful because if somebody feels like they've gotten value from your content, they actually have the potential to become a buyer, they're going to still likely have some level of doubt or hesitation about engaging with you. If you've given them great content, and they find it's valuable, and then you can show them, hey, like there's here's somebody else like you who's been in a similar position to, to where you are right now, and here's when what they did, and and look at the results that they have. That's going to now really start to reduce or even eliminate the the risk or hesitation that they see. You know, we have like if you go to consultingsuccess.com, we have a, a whole section that's called client results and case studies. And what's interesting about this, Ravi, and this little lesson that hopefully will benefit others, for years, at least a couple of years, we did not have that, a link to that page anywhere on our homepage. So you have to come further down our sales process or sales kind of, you know, the pipeline to get to a place where we would introduce you to that content. And what we realized one day fairly recently was like, why are we not putting this front and center? This is undeniable proof, you know, from hundreds of people that what's happening here works. So we put that as a main link in our like main navigation on the website. And we've seen a really great improvement in many different metrics of the business. And I think it's had a, an influencing factor. So I would say to answer your question, have it early on, but also the other place that we really focus on bringing these uh, success stories is just before you actually have a conversation with a buyer. So someone has raised their hand and say, hey, I'm interested in learning more. That's great. Okay then before they actually jump on a call with you, or if you're meeting them, you know, face to face before you actually have that conversation, you want to put as much proof as you can in front of that person, show them all of your results, case studies, everything, because then when you have your conversation again, whether it's online or in person, you don't have to spend any time in that conversation, trying to talk about how good you are, or, you know, whether your stuff works because you've already done that pre-sales in advance. Uh, And we found that to be really powerful in just making the experience more effective for both parties because you don't need to worry about spending time talking about yourself. And that means that you can now have your full attention in that conversation, just really focusing on the buyer and their situation and how you may or may not be able to help them.
0: There's something you said, which I think is fascinating, which you mentioned very briefly about somebody being able to see themselves In that individual's journey. That's somebody meaning your ideal client. Now, that actually relates really nicely to point two, which you said really focusing on a relatable challenge. Now, here's the way I see it you know, the higher the conflict, the higher the emotion that can be evoked in the person reading or watching that specific story. And as a result, the higher the likelihood that they can see themselves, they can transport themselves into that person's journey, which is really vivid. Because I don't know about you, Michael, but for me, I rehearse how it feels and is going to look like when I make a big purchase. When I go buy a chocolate bar, I'm not like, oh my God, when I hold this whisper and I eat it, you know, I don't really care. It's like 50p or whatever. So, But if I'm buying something for 50,000 bucks, it's very, very different. So I like that, man. Super powerful. Now, I want to go a little bit deeper into something you said. You said if somebody raises their hand to want to partner with you, then send them a client success story. What happens if somebody is doing outbound outreach and they haven't raised
1: their hand? Would you say that the same piece of advice applies? Yes, it would not be the first thing that you send to somebody, right? So let's say I want to reach out to you, Ravi. My whole first focus is going to be on how can I demonstrate value and expertise to you? And how can I build a relationship with you? and this will kind of take us a little bit away from the client success story topic, but that's all really about personalization customization and showing you that I'm not sending the same email that I am to like to hundred other people to you, right? You need to feel like I actually care. You need to feel like I've done my homework on who Ravi is and what your potential issues might be and how I can then add value for you. And that's going to typically be through content, but it could also be a case study or a client success story at some point. But The key there, or the distinction to keep in mind, is that you don't want it to come across as feeling like it's salesy. So if it's like, "Hey, Ravi, I see that you're doing this. We have another client that's done done this. If I do that too quickly, you know, I'm just trying to get you know to win your business." And if you're in a place right now where you need that help, that might work, right? So that approach may work. Typically, less in the UK, right? A little bit more conservative than, let's say, in the U.S. market where people take a little bit longer to make decisions, right? In, In Europe and so forth, but it still can work. If you're like in the heat of the moment, you need a solution. And if I hit you with that and say, that might work. But for most people, that's going to be a turnoff. It's going to be like, oh, here's somebody else trying to win my business and you know get me to buy their thing and so forth. So instead, right, I want you to feel comfortable. I want to build a relationship with you. I want to show you that, hey, I'm here today and I'm going to be here tomorrow, next week, next month, and so forth. Like I don't want you thinking about having to make a buying decision right now. Let's just build a relationship. And in order to do that, we have to have a conversation at some point. So, during that back and forth or what you know the the process of reaching out to you at some point it's not going to be the first thing and it's not going to be the last thing but at some point i'm going to say hey ravi we've worked with someone else who's in a very similar situation here's some of the challenges that they were having and here's the results that they got i thought you might find this interesting and i might offer to walk you through that or i might offer to send it to you or i might just send it to you depending on the engagement or or lack of engagement, right, that that we see. But I definitely want to put that story in front of you because the powerful thing about client success stories is that to a degree, they sell without selling. If you've crafted them correctly, they don't feel like a sales pitch by any means, but they're doing selling when the person is consuming them because they see themselves in that situation. And the dynamic is that I don't have to say, I'm great, by my stuff. Right. That success story is doing it. And that's usually coming through the perspective or vantage point of the actual client that you've already worked with. So somebody else is talking about how good you are, which is much more powerful than you trying to talk about how good you are. (laughs) I
0: love that you uh, rightly so called out, you know, the, the differences when you're selling cross cultures, you know, I have so many friends who say, man, you, UK folk, they're from Canada or the U S they're like, you, 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 UK folk, man, you're risk averse. Right. I'm like, yeah, kind of, we're a little bit different. And then when you hear UK people being sold to by people from across the pond, they're like, man, they're so pushy. They're so pushy. And it's so funny. It's so funny how one small communication mishap can literally change the trajectory of the deal, which brings me nicely, segues nicely into the next question. And I think you, you know, you touched upon it slightly, but well, the most salesy quote unquote ways that prospects can feel when they're being sold to is when somebody says, oh yes. And that reminds me of, and you jump straight into a customer success story without really listening, but from your perspective, and it might be this, but from your perspective, what is the one biggest mistake salespeople make when it comes to delivery of
1: customer or client success stories? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. And I don't know if I have a great answer to that. I mean, what I'm, what's coming up in my mind right now is that a very common mistake is that people assume that when you have just a bunch of success stories, that, that they by themselves will be effective. And this comes back to what we talked about earlier, that the success story needs to resonate with the person that you're having that conversation with. They need to see themselves in it. Otherwise, it's not going to be effective. You know, Think about how often you get the question of, who else have you worked with in my industry? Or who else have you worked with in my same situation? And even if you haven't worked with somebody in the exact same industry or same situation, there's, there's ways to work around that. But if you have a case study, or if you have stories that are from people who are in a similar or the same industry and can demonstrate that, and you're able to, to share those, that's what becomes extremely powerful in terms of the, the delivery. I mean, I think you actually answer this question yourself, Ravi, like you, you set it up perfectly. You said people who jump in too quickly, right? So if you're having a conversation and somebody says, yeah, we're trying to do this. Oh, I work with somebody. And it, so if the buyer feels like you aren't listening to them, if the buyer feels like you are trying to rush that process, I think that's probably one of the biggest turnoffs, right? Everybody wants to feel like they are being heard. They are being listened to, they are being understood, and they want to feel they've been listened to enough that the prescription, right, that you are about to prescribe to that person is going to be the right one. If you went to a doctor and the doctor said like, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh, I have a, you know, my, my nose is, it feels very stuffed. Oh, take this. Like, if it was that quick, you wouldn't feel that what you're receiving is probably the right thing for you. Like, you might be kind of happy I'm getting out of the doctor's office quickly, but you might also be like, uh, is this really the right one? Because he only asked me one question. But if that person is asking you a whole bunch of questions and they're really engaging you know, in a, in a powerful two-way dialogue, and then you can bring in those stories in a relevant way at the right time, that, I think, creates the, the right environment for that is very conducive to business you know, deals being made and and engagements being created between between two parties.
0: I think that's super powerful, and I think that's really overlooked. Where sometimes you can share also the right story with the wrong person, and I've done this. I'm sure we all have where we've blown a deal because our ego gets excited, saying, "Oh, we've worked this really, really big client," and then somebody smaller than that says, in terms of revenue, says oh, that means you don't serve people like us. See you later. And you blow the deal because you overproduced the story that really doesn't resonate with them. And it makes people feel misunderstood really. So yes, definitely listening and applying, I think is massive, man. If a doctor just told me to take some medication or told me a story about somebody who took this medication and just threw it at me, I'd be like, this person doesn't understand me. I need to get a second opinion. That's what I would say. So I hear you, man. I hear you. So we've spoken about leveraging customer success stories. Now, if you could pick one other powerful story that people should share in the sales process, what would
1: that one story be and why? A powerful story in the sales process. You mm-hmm. just mean as you're having like a conversation with, with a buyer, something that would come up. Yeah, let's
0: get even more specific. Let's say it's a demo and discovery's been done. Now you're showcasing your product or service, and you know that customer success stories are important, but is there another story that could be very helpful for salespeople to use here?
1: This certainly could be connected to a client success story, but I think there's a, a big area that people don't focus enough on. You know, everyone talks about ROI and the, you know, the potential return on investment. Not enough people talk about something called COI, right? Cost of an action. So what happens if you don't do anything? What happens if you stay where you are? Maybe it's thinking about what would that look like for their specific situation, not in a way where you tell them, but in a way where you ask them. So that would be, I think, a a big opportunity for people to bring that into the conversation. And if you do it correctly, I mean, that becomes very, very powerful to get people to to go, wow, you know, I was just thinking about maybe putting this off because we could start later. But now they actually start to see, well, there's a cost to us not taking action right now. And if you can show that to them and, and tell them a story around that in a way that will be meaningful for them, you can really start to see strong response from that.
0: No, oh, you better trademark that, bro. COI. I like that. I like that. I might have, I have to take credit
1: for it. I, I did not create that. I don't know who created it. Somebody talked yeah. about it. Maybe it was Alex Mandosian, someone from a while back. And I just it, it resonated with me very clearly. And it's something that I've, I've shared with many people since, but actually I don't know where that first came from. That's
0: beautiful, man, because it's tied so well into this concept of loss aversion as well, really. So I I love that. I love that. COI, ladies and gents, the COI story. Paint that picture of what it's going to look like if they don't solve that problem. I love it. I love it. Michael, thank you, man. Appreciate your time so far. Final question for you, dude, is when it comes to influential communicators, who do you look up to and why? Uh, there's not one person.
1: You know, I think there's a lot of people. So I'm I'm a big reader. I continue to study and to learn from from people. There's no one person that comes to mind for me. I think there's just so many people out there. And one of the ways that I learn, which is why I was so happy to hear, Ravi, when you said, "Yeah, I'm going to be starting a podcast," because I'm a big podcast guy. I mean, not only do I run the Consulting Success podcast, but when I'm out every morning for my mor- like my daily run, I'm listening to podcasts. And I love hearing stories and how people deliver their stories and and how they share their experiences. So, for me, that's probably like the biggest source. There's no one person, but I think just being open to learning from others and seeing how you can apply even even a small piece of that into your own business and and life uh, is is a game changer. Mm Hmm.
0: I think this episode for a lot of people will hopefully be a game changer. Man, dude, where could people learn more about what you're up to now and really dig deeper into the work of consulting success?
1: Yeah, consultingsuccess.com. You got it. Home for all the good stuff. But yeah, no, we have. I mean, probably a good starting point for anyone that wants to learn more about how to either get into the world of consulting or really take your existing consulting business to the next level is to uh, go to consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint. We have a kind of a compilation of our top, most popular articles, best practices, resources for consultants. So if you go there, you can uh, access that right away. So ladies and gents, if you've been thinking about
0: starting your entrepreneurial journey, make sure you do it the right way and check out that link. Ladies and gents, Michael Zapersky on how to leverage customer stories for sales success. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, i tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first. We'll